today I am talking about tipping points, you know, those times when a minor development can precipitate a crisis, you know, when something happens out of the blue and in a split second, life changes and it happens in our business. So I'm going to be talking about a couple of experiences that I've had in my business over the past 17 years where we've experienced a tipping point. And I want you to think about your tipping points and how you prepare for them. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. I'm Heather Bayer and super delighted to be back with you as ever. And oh gosh, we are motoring through the summer now. We're getting to the end. Well, I say we're getting to the end. You know, usually Labor Day signifies the end of our season and it's not going to happen this year. We are fully booked just about through September And we're seeing so many differences in this year than anything we've ever experienced before. And one of them is the amount of new owners coming into this business. I was talking, last two days, I've talked to three separate people who have, who are now considering buying a cottage in the country. You know, they want to come out of the city. They have been working from home and have seen that working from home, the WFH, is the new thing. They love it and they want to consider buying a property so that at some point they can continue to work from home. But they're savvy. They're also considering renting if it all doesn't work. So I've been doing some consulting, some advising people on places to go, the best places to buy, where they can get the rental income. But prices have just gone through the roof. So good luck to them. I'm glad I'm not in the market for buying a property at the moment, although I would very much like to be. However, that's that's not happening at this moment. I am just really looking forward to the fall coming, actually. You know, I I was thinking I, I love the, you know, I love summer weather. But as we approach the fall, we're beginning to get slightly cooler nights and, you know, temperatures are dropping down into the high 50s at night. And there is a portent of fall in the air, which is really quite lovely. Anyhow, we got talking a couple of days ago about what brought us here to Canada, what brought us here to Ontario. We looked at where we are now, you know, thriving property management company with 160 properties. We're actually listing two or three more every week at the moment. It is very, very busy. And we were reflecting back on what the heck got us here in the first place, this British family that has you know, my husband had spent 35 years in the Royal Air Force we could probably be happily retired in our gorgeous English Cotswold country cottage that we had yet here I am still working 14 hour days you guys know what the 14 hour days are like at this moment and loving every minute of it but it was in that reflection of what got us here which 
got me started thinking about tipping points, the things that happen when, you know, out of the blue, things that happen out of the blue that make such a dramatic change, the things that happen you, you might not have thought possible, but they have life-changing implications. So I want to tell you a story. In fact, you, most of you have heard the story of how we started our company, you know, going out to Canada after to, to a family wedding and staying in a cottage and it it wasn't quite what I wanted. So I came back and I started a company to market Ontario cottages to, the, to a British audience. But what got us to actually emigrate out here was a tipping point. I mean, we had in that time after we bought the property in Ontario, we started to think about moving to Canada. I was a Canadian by birth. My father was Canadian. My mother was war bride. So I I actually had Canadian citizenship. My husband didn't, but I knew I would be able to sponsor him. And at that time, uh, the sponsorship period was about five or six months. So we knew it it wasn't a long period. So we we had talked about emigrating to Canada. And then and we'd got a property. We knew we had a property to go to. And we had a sort of timeline without a timeline, if you like. There was, there was no start date on the plans, no end date when we would emigrate. But I, I remember this piece of paper always sitting under my coffee table for some reason. It was always out there and it had a line on it and it said all the things we had to do, which was to do the sponsorship papers. And Phil had to resign from the Royal Air Force and give them nine months to a year of notice we would sell our house and and I would have to wrap up my businesses because at the time I was running a management training company that was very hands-on in in the UK. So there we were in 2001. We had this vague plan, but we had not put it into practice. We had no dates on it at all. So I was really busy. I had a major health service contract with the National Health Service and we were training middle managers in a range of management skills. And I was also running a thriving package holiday company. We were marketing Ontario vacations to the British audience. So we were selling the cottage rental and we were adding in the flights and the car hire and packaging it all together. And and it was really coming together really, really nicely. So I was working from home. I had a few staff involved on the training side. But the pivotal person in the company was a 20-year-old 20, 20 named Lee. And Lee was a, a great friend of my son, Mike. And he and Mike had been in little jobs, you know, the sort of serving type, server-type jobs when they were still at school. And then when Lee left school, he didn't really have an idea of what he wanted to do. And I gave him a job with my management training company at that time to be my admin assistant. And then, of course, we grew into having a travel company at the same time. And Lee became that pivotal person who knew everything about both companies. Lee could pick up the phone and and he'd be chatting knowledgeably with the manager of radiology in a nearby hospital about his submission of a training assignment. And he would chat away and he'd be talking about dates of submission and the length of the assignment, et cetera, when we had to get it in. And then he'd put the phone down and it would ring again. And it would be someone who was asking what the climate was like in Ontario in the month of July and whether it was actually the best vacation for her family or not. He was so competent at being able to flip from one task to another task. And he was completely unflappable. 
He was organized. He was also a great marketer and a salesman. You know, anybody calling, asking about vacations in Ontario and specifically cottage rental, because this was unheard of. Somebody coming from UK and renting a cottage in Ontario. And Lee, who actually we had taken him out to Ontario. So he, he, he'd been there. He'd stayed in a couple of properties. So he was able to talk really knowledgeably about what it was like. The other thing was every day he came to work, he was cheerful and he was motivated. He could work on his own when I was out doing training. If people came into the office, which was at just a room in my, in my house, he was chatty and sociable. He was just the perfect employee. Then the day came out of the blue and I remember it so well. It was a Friday evening. I was standing in my kitchen I could, and we had friends coming for the weekend and I was expecting people to start arriving and Lee was going to be coming because he and, he and my son Mike always were always around for our friends' weekends. So I saw Lee's car arrive and I thought, he's a bit early. And he got out of the car, he had an envelope in his hand and I heard something come through the door and then he disappeared, ran back to his car. So by the time I got to the door, he'd gone and I was left with his letter of resignation and this dawning sense of horror. What the heck was I going to do now? Because for, th- I mean, for three years since he left school, Lee had been coming to my home office every weekday and most weekends as well. He'd hang out with Mike and the bunch of friends who descended on our house. For We had these crazy wine weekends and then we'd go off to Cornwall for a weekend with the whole gang. And Lee was always there. But what happened was that he, he hit 20 and realized he hadn't seen much of the world at all. You know, we'd taken him out to Canada. Perhaps that was a bit of a taster for him, but he wanted to travel. He wanted to meet more people. He wanted to get out of just seeing me every day than going home to his parents. It really wasn't much of, of a mix of people he was, he was getting to meet. And he wanted to get a sense of where his life was going. I don't think he ever saw that he was going to sit in my office every day for the rest of his working life. So he'd made this decision that he wanted to go travel the world. And I remember that weekend so well, you know, disappointment, anger, sadness, and this pervading sense of fear of how I was going to manage, not only with his, without his amazing administration skills, but also without the steadying influence that this young man brought into my office each day, and as well as the laughter and joy we shared. He was just very, very special person. So that was Friday. And all my guests arrived for the weekend and they commiserated with me with copious amounts of wine, I have to say. But by Sunday night, we dusted off the emigration plan that we'd been developing, you know, for some time. That one, remember that one? The one with no time on it. You know, we'd made plans to emigrate at some time and Phil was going to retire from the military. We'd sell our house. We'd move to Canada where we already had a couple of properties. We just knew we were going to do it one day. So the plan was there. So Lee resigned on a Friday night in September. By Monday, my husband had put in his notice to the, to the Air Force and we'd mailed out his sponsorship documents because we'd already done that research. You know, the blueprint was ready to go. We just had to have that tipping point. We put our house on the market. It sold within six weeks. We put our packing plan in place. We had to move out of our house and move into military accommodation for six months before we could actually leave the country in July of the following year. 
So there were a lot of things to happen, but that tipping point came. The moment that envelope dropped in the door and I opened it, that was the tipping point. But we had a plan. You know, since then, our business has encountered numerous tipping points. But with every single one, we had a plan we could run with. You know, even if it was just some notes we'd made, you know, what would happen if we had this plan? So let me just talk about a second for a definition of a tipping point, And then I'm going to go into five tipping points that you could encounter within your business, within your property management business, within your independent business. And, and just talk about the things that you would need to have in place to make sure that that tipping point was a positive experience for you and not, not something like that game of Jenga. We all played Jenga you know, players in turn remove blocks from this wooden tower and each block that's pulled out might make the tower collapse. But it's so important that the blocks on the bottom are the foundation, are a tight foundation because they're critical for keeping that tower upright. I'm going to be talking about a little bit more sort of coming back to this sort of Jenga metaphor as, as we go through because you could think of your business as this big Jenga tower. Let's talk about the definition of a tipping point, first of all. There's a book currently out, um, I've I've read it recently, called The Tipping Point uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, It's a really interesting one. It talks about different times, different companies that have come across a tipping point. And it's when a small change tips the balance of a system and brings about a large change. And that's essentially what happened when Lee, that small change, he put that letter through the door the large change was mega, life-changing. Gladwell talks about uh, epidemiology and the spread of influenza. You know, he wrote this long before COVID. I mean, you can definitely use COVID as, as an example as well. Uh, another definition is the point, of, the point in a situation at which a minor development precipitates a crisis. That's what happens with just about every tipping point. It's also the point at which an issue, an idea, a product crosses that certain threshold and gains significant momentum, you know, triggered by some minor factor or change. You know, for those of you who are developing software, sometimes somebody comes in with an idea that just pivots everything and the product goes on to be incredibly successful, maybe in an entirely different direction. And then the other definition, and this is really what I will cover more so in the rest of this episode, is is the physics definition, the point at which an object is no longer balanced. And adding just a small amount of weight can cause it to topple. You know, that's that's a typical tipping point. And that, that's really where the Jenga analogy comes in. So where am I going with this? So when you build your business with a strong foundation, going back to the Jenga tower, and you're always prepared for a crisis, then when that tipping point, that crisis happens, you're in a much better position to deal with it. So, you know, let's say you might, you might list with Airbnb, you're listing with VRBO, booking.com. Maybe you, you then build your own website and use a channel manager. Can you see that nice foundation growing? And then you add perhaps in a reservation system, and a customer relationship management system and multiple apps and support resources. And your tower grows. And as your tower grows, it becomes more 
liable to collapse if just one piece of that is taken out. And you have to be ready for it all to come crashing down. And you know, in in the majority of businesses, at some point, things do come crashing down. You don't live live and work all the time on a continuum of your business staying exactly the same. I think we've all seen that this year, that things are very, very different. We've all, we've had to adapt. We've had to pivot. There are massive opportunities for some and, and for others who I know are still struggling. You're having to shore up your foundation and to ensure that the business is going to last. But if you have this great foundation for your business, even when a tipping point comes, you're in a much better position to manage it. So, you know, you first of all want to make sure that you've, your, your foundation includes your values, you know, how you run your business, the values that you run your business by, that you're never going to compromise on, your standards, your commitment to hospitality. You know, whatever happens, that should never change. Some of the things that come on the top of the tower, which are going to cause at some point that tipping point, if they get removed, if you have that strong foundation, it's going to make it so much easier to move ahead and take opportunities when they get presented. So here's some of the tipping points that we've experienced over the past 18 years since we've been out here in Canada, since we started our business, when we moved across from UK in 2000 and when did we come? 2003. So, oh my gosh, nearly 20 years now. That that is, that is crazy. That is crazy. But we've had a number of tipping points, not only in our personal lives, been plenty of those, but also in the business. And one of the ways that we've been able to manage them and keep everything moving forward, even though at times we've been almost falling apart, thinking that this is the end. The planning that we've done, even the most basic of planning, has helped us go forward. I saw a post recently on my Facebook group, The Business of Short-Term Rental and Property Management. And if you have not gone over to that Facebook group, please do. It's The Business of Short-Term Rental and Property Management. And we'd love to see you there. It is, I think it is one of the best groups on Facebook for people who are really serious about this business. There's no endless discussions about toilet paper or people staining the laundry or things like that. It's all about strategy. It's about resources. It's about the apps and the software that people use. It's about how you take your business forward. So that was a little ad for the business of short-term rental and property management. Love to see you there. But there was a post on there from somebody who's managing a number of properties on their own. And they've got to that point, they've got to the tipping point where they can see there is no future at the rate they're going. They've reached that point of overwhelm where something's got to break, something is going to break. And and for that person, their tipping point could be a cleaner simply saying, I'm sorry, I quit. Take a brick out of the tower and watch that tower collapse because without that support, if there's no one else available, that tower will collapse. So this is a tipping point where you feel that you can't do it yourself anymore. You can't continue to take the bookings 
do all that backwards and forwards, emailing and texting and phoning and dealing with every guest because now you've got four or five properties. It's not the same as when you just had one. You used to love this business. You used to wake up every morning feeling this great motivation to get to your desk, to do some marketing, to post on Facebook and Instagram and go out and take new pictures. And now it's that drag to get out of bed because you don't know how long you're going to manage to go through the entire day before you fall asleep again at night, just worrying about the next one. You know, should you, should you quit now? Should you just stop? Should you sell the properties? Should you tell the people that you're managing for that you can no longer do it on your own? Or do you pull out your plan to make your first hire? And I'm not talking about cleaners. I mean, there's definitely always has to be a plan for what happens if your cleaner quits. That is that that should be a given. And I'm I'm sorry if you do not have a plan for a backup in case your cleaner quits. Uh, you're, you're sort of opening yourself up to some issues here because you never know when that's going to happen. But if you're at this point of overwhelm and you have a plan that you made sometime in the past, and this is your plan for your very first hire, this is the first person I'm going to hire. So you've already done the financial planning for it. You know how you're going to pay them. You know what amount you're going to pay them and how you're going to manage that amount in terms of your current income. You know the role that person's going to fill and definitely you don't, you've decided that you're not going to try and get a clone of yourself. You're going to get somebody to do the jobs that you don't want or need to be doing. So I know when we reached that tipping point and you know, when I started in the business, it was my husband and myself and we managed 13 properties, I think, before we said, can't do the bookkeeping anymore. And we'd hired external bookkeepers, and, but we decided that when we did our first hire, it would, would be somebody who would help us with all the administration, but was expert at bookkeeping. Now, Sandra has been with us now for 15 years this year. She is an amazing bookkeeper. She knows our business inside and out and has been the greatest foundation we had for our business. And she was our first hire. But when we hired her, we already had a job description because we'd done the fantasy thing when we started out. We said, oh, one day, one day we're going to have people in, somebody who can help us with all these things. So we sat down and we said, well, what do we want them to help us with? Well, definitely bookkeeping. But also the other things that we didn't like to do. And I am not happy with confrontation. I don't like, I don't like dealing with upset people because I, I empathize. I, I just get into how they're feeling and, and it, it, I just get upset. So I wanted somebody who would deal with upset people because occasionally your business is going to have them and I just don't handle conflict. So if, if somebody gets on the phone and starts to shout at me, I don't like it. I'm, I'm, I don't shout at other people and I really don't like it when people shout at me. So that was in the job description. You know, you have to be able to handle difficult people. So we made this job description long before we decided to hire Sandra. We also had an interview plan. It was, you know, how are we going to do this? There's just two people. We're working in this office and we need somebody to come and help us out. And um, we've never done an interview. I had, it was it'd been years since I did uh, an interview. 
Lee just sort of came along to me just because he was a friend of Mike's and I gave him a job when he was 17. So I'd never really done interviews. So we actually went through learning how to do interviews. So when we got to that tipping point and we said, can't do this, can't do this for ourselves, don't want to do this, don't want to do the bookkeeping, don't want to do the conflict management, dealing with angry customers, although we didn't have, we didn't have that many of them. But when they did, I found it unpleasant to deal with. So we were able to post out the job description, do the interviews. We did interviews with four people. Sandra's just shone out. We knew she was the one. And as I say, she's been with us 14 years now. So if you're approaching overwhelm, just do the exercise. Just sit down and think, this is fantasy. It's like your bucket list for your first hire. If you could, who would it be? And create a persona, create that fantasy person that's going to fill every role that you don't want to do and is going to be your person that will stay with you for the next 14 or 15 years. So that is a tipping point that many people get to, that overwhelm, that moment of overwhelm where it just doesn't become, it's no fun anymore. So do something about it. The second one is, and this is something that happened to us. I just, on my notes here, I just put, you grew out of your basement. (laughs) And we did, we had, uh, we were working from our home. We had four of us in our basement. Uh, the staff would come in every day and they'd tromp downstairs to the basement. And I'd, I'd be up there making tea. We, I mean, we had a lovely time. I made lunch for them every day. So they came upstairs and we had a sort of family style lunch every day with all the staff and and we had our dogs and sometimes they'd bring their dogs and it, it was it was a really great environment and we could just about manage two people then we started to grow and I knew we were growing out of our basement and that was the next tipping point when we would hire the next person we would have to do something we'd have to get a brick and mortar office which I never ever wanted I've been working from home for years and I just did not want to do that. So we had a plan. We had decided that we didn't want a brick and mortar office. So when the time came for the next person to come along, the next hire, we would have everybody working from home. We would be remote working. If you consider how many of you now are working from home, we've been doing this for probably seven years now. So it was actually pretty, the transition for us was pretty easy. In fact, there was, there was, there was no transition. We just carried on as normal. Um, but at that time, before that tipping point came, when we said, well, we've got to hire somebody else, we'd already done the research of what we needed for remote working. We knew we'd have to have a telephone system. So when the phone rang anywhere, it could be picked up and... Anybody, nobody calling in would know whether we were working remotely or working in an office. We had researched budgets. How much was it going to cost? Because we would have to fund everybody who was working from home. We had to fund their Wi-Fi, the telephone service, their office equipment, and there were other other issues that we had to cover. We had to look at okay. We have to get together sometimes. And how would that work, particularly as we began to hire, if we began to hire outside of our normal working environment? 
I mean, now we are spread with three or four hours between us now. And it still works. But we had done all that planning. We talked about all these different things. We brainstormed what it would be like. We discussed it long before we actually made the decision. We discussed it with the two staff we already had. You know, hey, hey guys, how would you feel about working from home? And in fact, one of them, our second hire, Caitlin, had been actually working from home uh, two or three days a week because she had quite a long, long journey in into the uh, into our office. So we were able to call on her experience and say, so what's it like for you? What what would this be like if in the future everybody worked from home? And we had this blueprint already for us to go if this was ever the case. And of course, when we decided to hire another person, we had the plan already in place. So it it, it actually worked. And we've been all been, as I say, all been working from home for seven years. But we had that plan when that tipping point actually came. So my third one is is back to people resigning. It actually has not happened to us yet. Sandra's been with us fourteen years. Caitlin about oh gosh about ten years now, and Kathy for a little bit. Oh, then Christina, who's been three and a half years now, and Kathy two and a half. And we haven't had any of these key people resign. However, if that happened, I call it the Lee plan. We have a blueprint. We know what would happen if any one of our staff resigns. And one, one of the things we've, we've done is make sure that everybody has a backup. So for our office manager, for Sandra, she, who does all the owner payment runs every week. Well, if she's not there, then Kathy does it. So she is fully up to speed, though Kathy is not a bookkeeper. And if Sandra resigned, we would have to go find another bookkeeper. But for day-to-day work, we've got a backup. We also made sure that all our systems are documented and we use Loom videos. So each, each one of our staff, if they're doing something that they, something on a system, I'm, let's give an example, you know, putting a new listing on, on the website or for Caitlin, who, who specializes in marketing, she might do a Facebook ad or she does a special offer on the, on the website. So she has somebody backed up to be able to do that in her absence. So if one of our key staff were to resign, that would be a tipping point, but we have the plan in place to at least keep us going over that that short space of time as we think about whether we pivot in some way or continue with somebody else in that same role. And the third thing is that you make sure all your job descriptions are always up to date. We often hire people and we have this job description, but that their, their job changes over time. If you look at any of your staff that have been with you three or four years, what they're doing now is likely to be eons apart from what you employed them to do in the first place, particularly in a smaller company, because everybody evolves and adapts and becomes the best person they can possibly be in the role that they almost create for themselves while doing the tasks that uh, that you want them to do. So each year, just go back to the job description, sit with that person who's doing the job and say, okay, let's have a look at this job description and see if it still matches what you do. Let's take off what you're not doing. Let's add in the different, you know, the new things that you are doing. And specifically with changes in software and resources and technology, their skills are expanding over time. So it's really important that 
you have that job description up to date. So if one of your staff members walks in one morning and says, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done. I'm going traveling or I've just decided that I want to retire. Just make sure you have a backup to take over their job. All your systems are documented and your job descriptions are all up to date. And that makes that transition, that pivot so much easier to manage. Fourthly, your property management system announces they're being sunsetted or they've just been bought out or something else has happened. And that's a particularly powerful tipping point because it could be that you've been unhappy with your PMS for a long, long time. And you, this is the pivotal point. The tipping point happens and you can go, yes, now's the time to change. But that is not the time to start deciding where you're going to go next. You need to know exactly what you'd want from the perfect alternative. You should have done the demos. And I, I would say, make sure you do a couple of demos every single year of different property management systems. And talk to other owners and managers about their experiences with different PMS. Go out there and think, even if you're really happy with what you've got at the moment, always have your backup plan because you never know when that block is going to be taken out of the tower and a PMS being sunsetted or something happening to that PMS that takes them out of service for you and things do happen that way, you should be prepared to go on to your next step, your bigger, ever better system that you can now take on board. Understand the finances involved, that it's going to cost you more, that it's going to cost you more in terms of time, but you've already done the planning to make that happen. Sounds like I'm thinking that we are reaching that tipping point, uh, you know, coming up over the next few months and you've heard me talk about looking at different PMS and you've heard me talking about looking at different reservation systems and we've done numerous demos. So if at any time our PMS drops us the note to say, hey guys, we are going out of business, then we are in a great position to know exactly who we're going to go to, how much it's going to cost us and how long it's going to take. So finally, and this one's the real biggie, because I mentioned earlier on that you should build your very, very strong foundation. And that might be you list on Airbnb, you list on Expedia, you list on booking.com, you have your own website, you have all these things in place. But if one of the OTAs drops a bombshell, and maybe this is an OTA you rely on, overnight, they change their policy. Overnight, you get the email to say that they are removing, and this has happened, they're removing all your listings because of something that you may have done, maybe inadvertently, maybe very deliberately, but something you've done and they have decided that you are no longer right for their platform. If you've ever played Jenga, you know that if somebody takes out one of the foundational blocks, your tower is more than likely to come crashing down. So you have to be prepared for that tipping point. I mean, being prepared means you've got your own, you've already got your own website. So you should have that. Nobody who's listening to this podcast should be simply relying on the OTAs, the online travel agencies, Airbnb, etc. alone. 
that is just, it's just not good business sense. If that's where you are, if you're simply relying on Airbnb, you're on the wrong podcast. You know, there's plenty out there that are going to tell you that you can run your business entirely on Airbnb alone and you don't have to do anything else. And if something I've said over the past couple of years hasn't resonated with you about that, then yeah, there's other podcasts. Let's just leave it at that. So you've got your own website, or at least you're planning on having your own website. You have a reservation system on that website. So you're not, so whether it's a plugin or whether it's an independent PMS, you've got a system where you can take online bookings yourself. You don't have to rely on a third party to do so. You've already created a ton of content. So if somebody pulls the plug on you and you cannot rely on them anymore, you've got to have the way of attracting the traffic to your website. So if you've already got a ton of content on there, you can start blasting out with social media posts and links back to your website for anybody that's looking for anything that your content might be related to. The best beaches in Eleuthera. Uh, I've, I've talked about that enough. You, you know that uh, I am so passionate about you becoming the, your location expert, not just driving people to other sites where there's other experts out there, but being the location expert on your own site. So you've created a ton of content and you're ready to go solo. And I just want to share with you that my company's doing this. We've reached that tipping point when Canada Stays was bought out by Expedia. And now Canada Stays is becoming VRBO Canada. And we will not be continuing with them. We are removing all our properties. We've removed them from Airbnb. We're removing them from Canada Stays. And we are going solo and we have made plans for all eventualities. You know, we've got a massive customer list that we connect with frequently to tell them about Booking Direct. And the only fly in the ointment is the fact that a lot of our traffic comes through a listing site and it's a, it's a traditional listing site here in Ontario and we rely on it a lot, or I realized how much we were, were relying on it. And we have considered in our planning that what would happen if VRBO stroke Expedia buys up this listing site? Because I have to say, if I was VRBO, I'd be doing that. And we have, I'm not sharing my plan, but we do have the plan. If that tipping point should come, it would be very significant for us because we'd have to go back to VRBO with our tails between our legs saying, please, can we list all our properties with you? Because the 60, 70% of traffic that comes through this particular Ontario listing site is going to be no more. So we are well ahead of the game thinking about how we, how we would manage that if that tipping point happened. So think about everything if you're ready to go solo. And don't ever forget that even when you build your tower back up, that at any point somebody comes along and takes out some more bricks and it begins to crumble again. So always be prepared, be ready, and you'll be just fine. So, you know, a tipping point is, it, it is an opportunity to pivot, but it can, so often it can send you into a sort of paralysis 
because there's no plan to deal with it. And thinking back on Lee quitting on me, if we hadn't had an emigration plan, I really don't know what I would have done. I'm sure we would have done something, but it would have taken a long time, I think, to to get everything backed up and in order and hire somebody else. And I'd be in a completely different world, I think, if that had happened. But most tipping points are predictable. You can see into the future and make some predictions on what may happen and then create some plans because there's no reason not to create those plans. So Lee is now approaching 40. He'll be 40 next year. And he's a dad of two kids and he's been in the travel business ever since he came back from traveling. He's been a, he's, he was a travel consultant for trail finders in the UK. And I think he's, he's, I, I can't remember what company he's working for, but he is still fully involved in the travel business. So I'm so delighted that, that with the experience he had with us as a, as a startup travel company and with his traveling experiences, he has stayed and become passionate about the travel industry. And, and we're still in touch, of course, because I do give him the credit of being the tipping point that started the business I have now. So there you are. Think about your tipping points. Are you prepared for them to happen. Let me know. I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you've, if you've got to a tipping point and you, were, you, you either pivoted or you made some big changes and have come out of, of the other side of it as a much better, a bigger company or even a smaller company. Maybe you downsized. So let me know. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it for another week. It's always such a pleasure to be able to plan out these episodes and think about, you know, what might be of interest to you. So, and I always love to hear your feedback. So either email me at heather at vacationrentalformula.com or just go to the show notes, write it on the show notes and, uh, and I will respond to you. So there we are. Another week comes to an end, another, another week closer to, uh, to the end of the season and a bit of downtime. Sadly, I don't think I'll be going down to the U S in the fall. Uh, also going to be missing out on, so I'm not going to the vacation rental world summit in Annecy in France, which would have been so wonderful not going to VRMA in Orlando, but still holding out the hope for the women's summit in New Orleans in, in February of next year, because hopefully I will be down in Alabama with the RV for a couple of months. But uh, who knows? Who knows when the border will be open? Who knows when we'll be able to travel again? I shall just wait for that to unfold because life is nothing more than a series of unfoldings. Oh, and now I'm going to get all Abraham and, and law of attraction on you. So <laughs> don't get me on that one. I will talk to you again next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>